And I'm Karen Wright. It is 9.36. Joining me now, my good friend, Ms. Barb Lampson. Gardening with Barb and Karen, Master Gardeners here. How are you, Barb? Well, I am great. As a matter of fact, I love this time of year when we've had all that heat and we've been working so hard and now all of a sudden it cools down, your energy level picks up. <laughs> and you know what I did first of all? I just sat down outside and and looked over the garden and kind of assessed things and I thought, I guess things aren't as bad as I first anticipated. Sure, we've had bug problems, but look at here's beautiful flowers and, and there's lots of things that weren't affected. Then my dear neighbor, Mrs. J, came running over and she said... And now she's running. She's 83, but I tell you what, that 84. woman... 84. 84, but that woman is still pretty perky. Oh, she, perky. Oh, my goodness, She runs yes. faster than me. And you know what? She is always pruning, and I think she's more wicked with the pruning shears than, than I am. you are, Karen. <laughs> oh, so, funny. Yes, yes, absolutely. So she said, guess what? I've got something to show you. And, and, and I, by the way, I was pruning. And so you were pruning too. Y- yes, okay. I was I was deadheading things. And so I said, right now, how about after I finish this? And she said, No, you have to come right now. And so I went running across to her house and here she had a caterpillar. It was from a monarch butterfly. Okay. And she said, You know what? I had one before and it died and I Aww. don't want this one to die. So she said You've got to take it home and raise it. And I said, <laughs> Barb the Caterpillar Farmer. I said, I know somebody who does this. This is Karen Wright at the radio station, and she will talk me through this. Yes. So uh, I ran home, and I told my husband, I said, find a jar, a quart jar immediately, and a cover, and uh, and then I'll call Karen and I did, and Karen said, yep, it goes in the quart jar. Poke holes in the top? Poke holes in the there. top. And so I went over, and I cut off, and the caterpillar was at the top of the plant. Yeah, and that's the, a lot of times where they are, Barb. Yes, and then I, it, I, I thought, well, okay, so uh, how many leaves should I should I take with? So I took enough, and then I called you again, and I said, okay, so it's not exactly fitting in the jar. I have quite a few leaves, and do I need water? And you said, no, don't put any water in there. Because there's enough moisture in the leaves, leaves, and you don't need a whole bunch of leaves. You don't, the problem, and I've made this mistake before, so it's kind of like gardening where we learn from our mistakes, where you want to put a whole bunch of leaves in there because, oh, this is really, really hungry, and they are hungry, but only put enough leaves in, and then they'll eat them down and then add some more because what happens if, they do have moisture and they can start to mold and when you have that mold right. it that's not healthy for the the right. caterpillars or the butterflies right. so you you took i told you to take <coughs> some of the leaves out and just right. have enough and then they I eat did. It. yep i did and so it had room to to move around in there and then i turned the uh lid th- that went on top of the fruit jar up so that when you make the holes in it that the, the it was up towards uh you know, you push the metal down so there wouldn't be any sharp edges on the inside of the jar. So it, you told me it would come up and probably hang from there. They usually hang on the lid, but not yes. always. So I did that, and and I'm confident, and I invited Mrs. J over, and I said, I've named the butterfly Mona after the book, <laughs> Mona the Monarch. And, and she thought that was wonderful. And I said, now I'll keep you informed every day. She said, don't keep me informed until it turns pink. 
And you said, what? What? And then you called me, didn't you? You said, pink. What are you talking about? So uh, I remembered from this book that this doesn't happen, but I thought I might be wrong. And so then the next day I talked to her and she said, I have been told that we did something wrong here. We should have left that caterpillar in its place and let nature take its, it, 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 you know, it either survives or it doesn't survive. And then I called you again. Yes, you said, well, did we do something wrong? And I said, well, you know, Al Bat, who a lot of people know, does the show every Tuesday for the last 30 plus years. Al said the chances of the caterpillar and the butterfly surviving are better if you take them in because otherwise that little caterpillar is out there and is subject to all the predators, birds, whatever is out there, right. or rain and sleet, hail, whatever. And yeah, you could say, well, that's survival of the fittest, yes. But with the monarch shortage that we've talked about, let's give them a chance. So I told you that that was the right, right. thing according to Al. And he, uh, he told me the same thing. So my kids and I have been bringing them in and we've released probably... 30, 40, 50, I don't know, this summer. I can't even keep track anymore. Well, I just did another one this morning. Well, and this was very assuring to Mrs. J. <laughs> Good. Because she and, respects Albat. Yeah, she she listened to Albat, and she respects him, and he is the authority. And so so that was great. And then she also said, well, you know, she said, I was kind of afraid that he had put, she had put, laid, laid this egg in the wrong place, and it was so high up on the plant, and it was so hot that the caterpillar would have a heat stroke. So, oh my goodness, she's so, she, yeah, yeah. she thinks of everything. Oh yeah, and she's, she's so, um, she's forceful, but she's so considerate at the same time. So, so all this went well, and, uh, and she came over and checked again. Then this morning, I got up and I ran to the kitchen where I have the jar, and there our darling little Mona had attached herself to the jar and is making this J. She's not on the top lid. She she did it to the she's side of the jar. On the, sort of kind of a, where the rim turns a little. Yeah, the, yeah, turns. Yeah. That's that's where she's decided. That's a cool place. Yeah. So. Now, when I get home today, I got to bring Mrs. J over to see that she's still not pink. She's definitely green. It's a beautiful emerald green. And if you look closely, a lot of times there's, there's gold dots on there that almost look like it's stitching. And you say, how can that be? How can nature? It's just so amazing. So one more thing you told me that I need to do now. So during this process, Mona the butterfly has been eating profusely. And pooping profusely. And pooping. Yes. And so you said to lift uh, to turn it over. To and take the lid off. Because usually they, they, they attach to the lid barb. Right. So what I do is pull the lid off and then I dump all that excess leaves and stuff. Because what happens is with the leaves and the frass in there, it starts to mold and gets icky. And that's not a real healthy environment. Right, right. So so, so now I have that to do. And then what, in about 10 to 12 days? You'll have a butterfly. I have. Well, so stay tuned. Because last night when I went to bed, there was two of, of my chrysalis that we have in our house, the boys and, and my chrysalis. And they had turned almost black, not quite, but when they get really super black, right. you can expect a butterfly. And sure enough, when I woke up this morning of those two, there was a butterfly. Oh. And so Grant said, Ma, there's another butterfly. So I put it out on a hydrangea and, uh, you know, because they're kind of off the ground. Mm-hmm. And then it can finish drying its wings off and then sure. let it go at its own Sure. time so it's sure they sit there some sit there for a while maybe over an hour and some flit off right away sure and the other one i'm guessing as we're talking probably is maybe already out of the its um shell but then you let them go and if it's going to be pouring now i wouldn't let them out in the pouring rain obviously right, but right but yeah then you'll have a just think about they'll go down to mexico now yeah that's that's what i told elaine so uh and and um uh 
was one other point I was trying to make here, and I can't think what it was <laughs> now. I was I was so excited. Oh, I know it was chemicals. So I said to Elaine, because she doesn't use any chemicals in her yard either. I said, if we helped one butterfly survive because we didn't have chemicals in here and because we protected it wasn't that worthwhile and we've got these milkweeds growing here and there and everywhere and she said oh yeah that that was really really good and I do know people will say well I never get any monarch caterpillars or such and such yeah and, and they probably don't also have insects eating everything either but that's the that's the trade-off you want perfect plants with no holes or do you want to allow chance for the pollinators which are responsible for a majority of our food sources to be able to do their work yeah and you also need habitat and you need water for them too right they have to have some place where they can get their water so so that's mona the butterfly and that's great and then talking about poop i was reading (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Diane Denham While Sally's. you have your coffee. And, yes, yeah. yes. I was reading Diane Denham Sally's column in the Free Press, which is an excellent column, by the way, on gardening. And she talked about getting a call to go out and look at some raspberry bushes that had turned yellow and were in bad shape. As it turned out, that people had used fresh manure and uh, spread them in the raspberries. Burns them. Too hot, yes. Because, exa- yeah, fresh, fresh manure, I mean, while it's a fertilizer, you need to have it well rotted so all that high nitrogen doesn't burn the the plants. Exactly. And here's the other thing. At the same time, I was checking my emails and we had a note from the university talking about poop, manure, (laughs) um, scat, whatever you want to call it. Frass if it's caterpillars. From from animals and E. coli. And, And that led me to think that we have to take another look at that because in this bulletin they were talking about how uh, this uh, manure, whether it's it's squirrels or rabbits or raccoons, any of that stuff, and if it gets on your food, if you have something on the ground or near the ground, um, all of those have the ability to convey this E. coli, which can make you incredibly sick. Even in young children, um, they can die because they get dehydrated with it, and it doesn't take long for that to have real consequences. So uh, uh, wash your food, and you know mulch helps too. So it isn't necessarily well, doesn't splash up from the the dirt. That is true. But here's something else: um, what you can't wash E. coli off. Did you know that? I didn't. I thought if you washed it, it would. No, nope. oh. the only thing that kills E. coli is heat, oh. and so they said in this article that. Um, uh, Things with big leaves that are on the ground, like lettuce, loose leaf lettuce, you want to be very careful with that because if you get anything on there and then you just wash it, uh, that isn't enough. Muskmelon is another one because it's on the ground, and rather than being a smooth, hard surface, it is a soft, textured surface. It's rough, generally. Yes, right. So... Uh, I'm not saying that you have to stop eating these things, except that if you have something that you're not cooking, you want to wash that really well. And uh, don't take a knife that you've been cutting like a muskmelon with and cut something else. Uh, yes. Yeah. And and they said even in a garden that you can transfer E. coli from one plant to another with your gardening tools. So be very, very uh, careful, be cognizant of that, 
And uh, well, we even talk about that with when when I do my uh, if you're going to trim your hostas, for example, you take your tool from one to the next. There's what's called virus X, just right. from cutting one, and then you cut the next one, and it can spread to your whole garden. So you're really supposed to take and wipe off between each cut, which I mean it seems excessive, but with with rubbing alcohol, and I use rubbing alcohol on a cotton ball, and it seems excessive, but I mean I guess you if you want to prevent disease or sure. whatever, there there are, the hygiene part is so really you have important. that that responsibility. And I don't know if you remember this outbreak that we had uh, a few years ago, but it was, uh, there was E. coli in the apple juice. And it came because the... Uh, was this per- non-pasteurized or something? Oh, or? It wasn't heated. Oh, and, okay. and what happened uh, was that it had E. coli. And these were apples that had been windfalls. They'd been on the ground and uh, exposed to this uh, E. coli. And, and because it wasn't um, heated to that point, um, there it was. It was passed on. So, you know, these are just things to think about, to be careful. Uh, when you're, you know, whether you're buying produce in the store or whether you're raising things yourself, be very careful. You know, it, it makes me think that vertical gardening is a far better thing. <laughs> you know, I have my uh, cucumbers up in the air and uh, the beans up in the air. Um, I have the uh, I, the potatoes up in the air and in in raised beds. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe this is is better uh, getting things off the ground. Right. And I've done, you know, like I said, I used to do the bush beans closer to the ground, but now I do the pole beans because you get all that extra space, like you said, plus yep. they're easier to pick. And like you just said, it might be part of their hygiene, they healthier. That, yeah. Yeah. Air circulation. So those are all really good things to think about. And then... Um, it was a week of kind of slowing down for me, so I was thoroughly reading the news. And in the newspaper, in the Mankato Free Press this week, twice they covered uh, these uh, um, invasive aquatic species that are in our lakes and rivers and places and things that they're doing. And one of the things that they discussed in there was the, uh, of course, the DNR. We have government agencies that are working on this problem all the time. But uh, in 2014, the legislature provided $10 million to counties to start doing their own programs. And and that's what the first article was about, about things that people are doing to, uh, t- you know, take charge of their own lakes. And I know as a, a person who owns lakeshore property, this is um, foremost on your mind, everything you do that you're protecting. And you certainly wouldn't be dragging in any invasive species. Well, we don't have a boat for one thing, but I always think of that when I'm on the lake, even with weeds and things, how they talk about if you a lot of those, like that, I think it's the milfoil that's clogged yep. up a lot of lakes yep. because if you leave it on your boat from another place and, and you just, a little piece, it's sort of like quackgrass where all you need is that little teeny piece and it can start spreading everywhere. So you really, it's really imperative to be careful. Yeah, it is. And and so most of this money, or at least 40% of it, is going up north because they have more lakes than any other place. And they are giving out this money based upon the number of uh, boat ramps, public boat ramps that you have in your county, and also the number of cars that are parked in your uh, 
parking lots there by your lake. Interesting. So, yeah, huh. e- exactly, because maybe that's where people would go with boats and trailers and, you know, and be parking. So those two things. And uh, there were there were different kinds of things that were happening, but the majority of people have hired inspectors to be at the lake and to be checking uh, the boats when they come out of before they go in the water and when they uh, not when they come out of the water but before they go in the water so the the muscle the zebra muscle isn't attached to the lake and you know these zebra muscles they can survive 21 days under your boat or on your if boat. it's dry. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Who who would have thought? So Yeah, because you figure, oh, I'll go out, they'll die, and then I'll just go back in. Who cares, right? Yeah. But, like you said, they're hardy. Right. And then there's the uh, uh, invasive species that attach to the motor that, you know, the, the different types of milfoil and things like that. So all of these things. So it's a really good thing. And the other thing that the counties are doing is they're involving, uh, they're talking to each other and they're sharing ideas and that. And and that is really a good idea. So now today, there is a, a new article in the paper, which is um, something that Wright County is doing. Now, if you ha- I hadn't thought about this before, but hiring people to be inspectors at the boat ramps is one thing. If they're hours, but they're not there 24 hours a day. Well, we, we went up on our vacation up north. We had one of the DNR people whose job was to do that. Well, in his case, it was to, to check to make sure they weren't taking more fish than they should. Sure. But, for example, he would be at one lake for a few hours, and then he'd yeah. go on to the next lake. So you're missing a lot of time. So. Right, exactly. So now Wright County, they have a regional point. So now you have to go to that regional point with your boat and have it inspected, and then you get a stamp, and then when you go to put your boat in the water, you show that, and then you get a sticker that goes on your truck or whatever you hauled it with in the parking lot to show that you have been inspected. And there is some controversy about that. People saying, you know, this is going to add time. There are well, other people. Well, probably, yeah. Uh, well, but okay, is it worth it? Yes, yeah, exactly. yes, yes, it is. And this extends the hours then. So uh, it's interesting. I am always very concerned about water, and especially with these 10,000-plus lakes we have in Minnesota. What do we do to prevent these these invasive species? Because they are so invasive. In 40 or 50 years, we could have no fishing at all because uh, of this. Uh, we could have uh, just less swimming beaches. Everything could be affected because of this. So I think now we have to bite the bullet and be informed of what's going on and, and try new things. Maybe this Wright County program isn't the end all, but it sounds like it's a, it's a very good beginning, and, and I think we need to support that. So I'll get off my uh, <laughs> soapbox. Soapbox, and uh, locally... Uh, I just wanted to promote one more thing. And next Tuesday night, which is the 28th of August, that's when we have night to night in Mankato. And we have a different date from the national because now college is in session and we can invite our neighborhood college kids to come to this night to night. And this is on in my street, in my area. This is our second year. And this year we're holding night to night um, at our home. 
And oh, you are at your place. Okay. Yes, I'm very excited to be doing this. And we walked around with invitations uh, for the neighborhood. And of course, even if you didn't get an invitation, because you have to stop someplace, you're certainly welcome to come, or you can invite someone to come are with you. Are you inviting the radio listeners to come to your house, Barb? Well, they certainly could. But but do, well, then, yeah, I mean, you can, because I tell you what, if you want to see a beautiful garden, go to Barb's house. Seriously. Well, it's 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 certainly at any time you can come. Right. It doesn't have to just be night to unite. It could be any time. Just stop by. I love doing that. So, so that's great. Um, I am continuing to uh, weed my vegetable garden. The crabgrass and the weeds that we've got this year are just like nothing we've ever had this before. This has been a, a bounty year for crabgrass for sure, but you know, with my raised beds, I've got them in the square foot yep. gardening. I really haven't had any weeding issues with, see that's the thing, I don't have any weeding right. issues with my vegetable gardens because they're all in that square foot. So there's something different in each square foot and it's been wonderful. And I'll tell you what, I had a surprise this week. I um, have a couple tomato plants in my raised garden beds and all I've seen is like I told you a lot of green a lot of green yes, a lot of yes. things well I was picking some green beans and I looked down and I saw something white and I'm like oh white in the tomatoes and I go well what's that well apparently at the plant sale at the end they had some left over that didn't have labels so they're ah just take this tomato yeah. I have a white tomato oh that's from Harvey Hess I bet oh is that one Harvey's yes that's one of his he has someone a, that he raises those for well I'll tell you what it's prolific. I have a giant. I mean, I've been bringing them to work to give them away. They're they're white, uh, kind of a cherry tomato, but they're a little little bigger than the. They're not like the grape sure. ones. They're a little bigger, but they're uh, so they're white. So they don't have as much lycopene, which is a good nutrient. But they're a little less. They're they're more mild, so they're less acid in them. They're a little sweeter. So you know they have different. Um, applications in terms of cooking in that. So we mix them with something else, and it's great. But I tell you what, I've never seen a tomato so How prolific. do they taste? I haven't tasted it yet because... Oh, Karen, come on now. Okay, before next week, you have to taste them. It and was let white. I did, and I was yeah. like, I don't know. It doesn't... It's white. It, it's... It, that's... You know, we don't associate that with with taste. homegrown, juicy tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had so many small tomatoes that I cut them up and made them into a salad with fresh basil and uh, and uh, Vidalia onions and just a little bit of this French garlic and a vinaigrette. So good. I thought, okay, this is enough salad to last three or four days. Okay, two days, it's gone. Two meals, and it's gone. It was it was just delicious. On the cooking show earlier this week, you know, we do Cooking with Joe. We had a listener ask a question. I have so many jalapenos. I'm tired of making salsa. What else can I do with jalapenos? And maybe I should ask you, what do you have any ideas for it? Since we got that question for cooking, and you obviously... Well, you know, the jalapenos, no, are, are you have to use them in moderation. That's <laughs> why you have so many. But if you've got too many, you can freeze them. You just, can? Yes, yes. And what I've done with the jalapenos is um, uh, just cut them up very, very fine, like chop them like you'd be chopping garlic or something like that, and freeze them in just very small uh, containers. If you have, uh, when we used to have ice cube trays in our refrigerator, you can use an ice cube tray 
and then put your your chopped up jalapeno in each one of those little sections. There's about ten of them, and and freeze them. And then when they're frozen, take them out and individually put them in a plastic bag, and then drop them in soups, spaghettis, anything that you want a little bit of zip to, or if you're making any kind of a sauce at all. When you freeze them, do you, did you say you take the seeds and stuff out first? Yes, you do, and and you just use the the fleshy part and you chop it up real fine like you'd be chopping up garlic or something you Mm -hmm. know like that and then just you're like um, know what you've got there if you got two tablespoons you know put two tablespoons in there or one tablespoon whatever you want so you know what you can add I don't think there's it helps it just gives a zing you don't want to make people say (gasps) <laughs> like they're burning and they're, they're, you know, and then you're yeah. supposed to drink lots of milk because water actually makes it worse, I guess. Yeah, I guess so, too. So so that's that's been my, I've got, well, actually, I had the plant that you gave me that was going to be yum-yum. Oh, the yum-yum pepper one that I thought was a yum-yum pepper. And, you know, I had a couple different seeds and I might have mislabeled it. So you uh, didn't that's get That's okay. So <laughs> I got jalapenos. And <laughs> there was two plants together Oops. and I put them in a black bag and one of these uh cloth bags that I've just been promoting and I absolutely love and and they just they were such little tiny things and once they got in there got some good soil lots of sunlight they just took right off so they're very very happy but you're right jalapenos they just when they're in the right uh, in the right um, environment they are so um, prolific yeah, well, to, my tomatoes and my green beans now are just going crazy too, and I've been eating green beans every single day. And the I boys said to. I'm going to start to turn green. Well, I, I steam them. You know, I don't. I'm not into like a whole. Well, you know, I'm not a very good cook, and I admit that. So steaming is easy. All I do is, is easy. add a little butter and a yeah. little salt, and I'm good. Yeah. And you put butter on anything, and oh, oh yes. my goodness, that's so good. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to do this <clears throat> this week now or this weekend. I'm going to do something my mom used to do, which was um, she would cook the green beans, you know, chop them up, dice them up, and uh, put some salt and pepper on them. And then she'd make a white cream sauce to go over them. And then you'd have them on mashed potatoes. And I remember that as being absolutely delicious. So I'm going to try that this week. I hope it's as good as I remember. Some of these childhood things really aren't as good as I remember. And I think it was because when you were a kid, you always had a big appetite when you came to the table. So, But we'll, we'll see about that. Um, one of the things that I start, have started to do now in my garden is to if you're going to... Um, take cuttings off from things, especially the coleus. Right, which I've got it, a lot It's of. a good time to do that at, before it gets cold. Uh, so if that's that. I've got lots of roots on my coleus, and, and I'm really Do you doing, water root them, or do you put them in soil? No, I water root them. I, okay, because I've done them in the soil. They work either way. Yeah, and this is just takes a little less room to do that. Sure. And, uh, and I bring them in the house. I put them by the kitchen sink so they get lots of humidity. So... Anyway, lots of things. Stay busy. Keep weeding, though. Yeah, it never ends. Barb, always great to chat with you. If you have any questions, Barb's going to be around for a little bit. She can take your phone call, 389-5678, because we're out of time here, and we always put these on the SoundCloud if you want to listen later. Thanks, Barb. Thanks, Karen. All right. It is three minutes past 10. You're listening to A Minnesota Morning at KMSU Radio, 89.7 FM in Mankato, and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin, online at KMSU.org.